Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Now, we all know that we have to submit. There's a time for that. And there's a person for that. And we all know that we have to be discipled. And there's a time for that, and there's a person for that. But did you know that there's a time for rebellion? Did you know that? Did you know there's a time when it's inappropriate to submit? For instance, this is, for instance, Satan comes to you and tries to lay something on you. Is that the appropriate time to submit? Is that the time to be a coward? Is that the time to roll over? Is that the time to say, you're my boss? Is that the time to act like a baby? You are right. Clap your hands. That's the appropriate time for what the Bible says, defiance. And this sermon is about defiance, and there's a time for rebellion, and there's a time for defiance. It's rarely preached on. Today, this is what you're going to hear. It's about rejection, not acceptance. As Christians, we're trained to accept. I accept you, Lord. I accept your word. I accept authority. I accept this teaching. I accept my ministry. But when the devil comes to you, you need to change that. You need to shift gears. You need to go on the other foot. It's not time to accept. It's time to reject. If the devil, as Christians, we're trained to believe. I believe his promises. I believe his word. I believe in Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit has got good things for me. Amen? Amen? But what if the devil tells you something? That's not the time to say, well, I just believe everything because I'm a believer. I believe, believe, believe. I'm a believer, glub, glub, glub. No. No, no, no. Be discriminating. Hallelujah. There's some things that are good to eat and some things that are good to avoid eating. And the same when it comes with spiritual truths. Some things are poison. When the devil tries to get you to eat it, you can reject it. You don't have to swallow everything you see. You don't have to swallow everything you hear. If, the word, if it lines up with the word, if it lines up with the kingship of the Lord Jesus, if it lines up with his personality, you know what I mean? I think you do. You know, the Bible says that we believers, we receive an unction from God. It's the Holy Spirit. And that unction, another word for unction is umpire. You ever heard that term? Umpire. When that umpire is inside you, everything you hear, the umpire will give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down if you'll listen. I remember I was, I was newly saved. I was only 17 years old. I'm get into how I was saved. It was powerful. My salvation was spectacular. And I was in with a group of people, and they were all praying. It was a Bible. And so they were teaching about how God was giving people sickness and disease and, 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 they were, and they were getting very very spiritual, and then they would die a horrible death. These are spirit-filled people. And they were talking about that, and they covered it all with the word sovereign, which sovereign means God does what he wants, right? But sovereign doesn't mean that God, can, that God will lie. It doesn't mean that God will refuse to back up his word. It doesn't mean that God will not fulfill his promise. It doesn't mean that God will act like the devil. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Keep it straight. There is God. Say there is God. There is God. And there is, there is Satan. And say they're not the same cat. They're not the same cat. Very good. Yeah. Keep that real clear because a lot of what we blame God for is the devil. And a lot of what we blame the devil for is God. Did you know that? 
I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody said that I was healing people with the power of the devil. I mean, I wouldn't be rich, but I could buy a motorcycle. Maybe. <laughs> I'm talking about rejection. Jesus said that, 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 well, the Bible says that if we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, amen, and then resist the devil, he will flee from us. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. The Bible doesn't say submit to the devil. It says resist. Say resist. Resist. In the same way, the Bible says believe not. Did you know it says believe not? It says believe not every spirit. Because many seducing spirits are gone out into the world. Often they find their ways into the church. You don't have to believe that. Hallelujah. There's a time to believe. There's a time to not believe. There's a time to accept and there's a time to reject. There's a time to submit and there's a time to be defiant. When it comes to God, we submit. When it comes to Satan, we, def- we defy. We resist. Hallelujah. We confront. And you can't be afraid of confrontation because if you are, the devil will run right over you. He'll run over your family. If he'll realize that he can make you jump, he'll have you jump in the rest of your life. He makes people jump with fear. He makes people jump with, with, with hate. The devil doesn't use love. That's the other guy. You get that? Anytime you feel hate, make sure you know and know it deep within your heart. You're not following God. That's the other guy. I I once saw a t-shirt in the mall, and it showed a picture of Satan. And underneath, the the caption was, God is busy. Can I help? See, you never want to go there. You never want to go there. So how do you know the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of Satan? You'd think that we all know that, but the church historically has often missed that. If you, if you look at the history of the church, and it's a long, rather sordid history, every time there was a chance to do the right thing, the church lined up on the wrong side. When it was, for, when it was slavery, we were all for it. I'm sorry, but that's true. There was a very small group of people that were against it, and they paid with their lives. You know that, don't you? See, we've got to remember those kind of things. When it comes to segregation, the church was all for it. Right? When it comes for women being kept in their place, we liked that too, didn't we? Huh? So we need to remember that, that that's the nature of people. It's human nature to absolutely respond to the devil because the devil's treats are sweet. They're sugary, they'll make your teeth fall out, and they'll give you diabetes. It's all bad. It's poison. It's all a lie. Anything that feels good to the flesh is not good for the spirit when it comes to that, when it, when it comes to hate. You notice how good it feels to hate? You notice how good it feels to be angry? You know how good it feels? Have you ever let yourself go with rage? Has anybody here ever experienced rage? Come on, be honest. It is an absolutely wonderful feeling. It's like, uh, it's like being drunk. Right? It, it is. It's absolutely intoxicating to be in it. That's why people do it. You know, a lot of people, they, they dig that. And they love it. They're fueled by it. When they get into a service, they'll feel rage, and they'll feel like that's God. It's not God. It's Satan. And when it comes to actually facing Satan like we have to do, time and time again for the last 40 years in front of a crowd when everybody's our enemy. Jesse knows, you remember, everybody is our enemy. We're the wrong color. 
We're from the wrong country. We're talking the wrong language. We're speaking. We're, from, we're, we're, we're the wrong religion. We're wrong, wrong, wrong. And yet we're standing out in, in front of all this hostility, and we've got no protection. But God is with us. And he, he always... He always rescues us out of the mouth of the lion. We were preaching the gospel in India one time, and as we were preaching, the people rose up, and they, 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 they rushed the platform to kill me. They had brought, brought 3,000 Hindu radicals to our meeting, and as they rushed the platform, I said, in the name of Jesus, stop! And it was like they hit a wall, and then we were able to escape. They came to arrest us. We managed to escape the police, and we left. We left like that. It was it was really dangerous, and so and we've done things like that all our lives. We've been there in the in the sense when there's demon possessed people, they come in to arrest us. They're coming to put us in prison and all that. And God has always stood with us. And as we preach the gospel, I never forget one time we're preaching, and there was a group of Hindu radicals that came around the platform and they started threatening. They had written in Tamil script all over the around the wall. We're a preacher. It said, Tommy, you dog, go back to America. And I didn't know that the name Tommy in India is a name that's funny. It's like Rover <laughs> or Shep, you know. And they said, they said they, the Indian preachers were very, they said, what do you think? Do you think it would be better if you changed your name? Your name? <laughs> and I said, no, man, I'm just going to be Pastor Dog. Amen. I don't want any of the glory anyway. It goes to Jesus. And so as we preached, there was a little girl that had been paralyzed with polio. And her legs were useless. And she got up and walked. And she came up on the platform and she was beautiful. And her mother showed her. And then as as they went down the platform, I I didn't see it because I was going on with the testimonies. There was a group of of, uh, Hindu radicals that surrounded her. And they said, how much money did he give you? They said, you tell us now, we're going to kill you. How much money did he give you to lie? This American liar, come and bring in this false religion to our kids. They were sincere. They were really sincere. And did you know what the mother said? She said, let me tell you something. She said, I've taken my daughter to every temple, and we prayed to every God we could get a name on, and nothing ever happened to my daughter. And the first time I bring her to Jesus, she's healed. She said, what do you think of that? She's healed. And those guys, they've melted away into the night. One of, our, one of our co-workers saw the whole thing. When we were in Indonesia, it wasn't just uh, mentally retarded people that were healed, but that was something that we had never seen before. I'd never seen somebody that didn't even know their own name, that had lived like a vegetable, and the Lord opens up their mind. And then after that, they started bringing uh, mentally ill people and mentally retarded people to the meeting and God was healing them. Yes. See, all it takes is one example of that and then people get faith for it. In one of our crusades, in many of our campaigns, um, somebody blind is healed and then all the blind will come and, so, and somebody's deaf is healed and so many deaf will come or somebody crippled is healed. And so, so let's, let's read Luke 7. Now when Jesus had entered all his sayings is 7-1. Uh, Luke 7, 1. In the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. 
And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. Isn't that funny? And do you know why he was worthy? This is hilarious. He could be from Oklahoma. For he loveth our nation, and he built us a synagogue. Right? He built a church. He helped us build a church. It's wonderful. He should get healed. He deserves it. Then Jesus went with him, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Thou shouldest enter under my roof. You know, that was a beautiful way to come to Jesus. He came. He was a captain in the Roman army. They had conquered the, he had conquered the, 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 the Jewish people. He was in charge. He was the boss. And yet here he was saying, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. That's significant. And he said, um, that thou shouldst enter my room. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word. Say. 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 In a word. That's how Jesus always healed people. Say in a word. And my servant shall be healed. Amen? For I also am a man set. Now, this is the, he didn't know very much. This centurion didn't know as much as any child in Sunday school knows. But he knew this. I also am a man set under authority. Say under authority. Having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Thank you. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Thank you, baby. Praise the Lord. That servant didn't know very much, but he knew that one little thing about authority. He said, I'm a soldier. He said, I've got superior officers, and if they command me, I'll do exactly what they say. In the same way, I have soldiers underneath my command. As a captain, I think it's like 100, and I command them, and they do what I say. If I have a servant, and I command my servant, my servant will do exactly what I say. And then Jesus marveled. He said, I've never seen faith like this in Israel. And then he prophesied people would come from the north and the south and the east and west and flow into the kingdom of God. He was prophesying about you, yes. about me. Yes. And that's wonderful. The centurion was the first pace setter of us. Amen? The non-Jews. We were out, man. We were outside. We were vagabonds. We were outcasts. We weren't part of the covenant. We were enemies. We were the ones that were involved in idol worship and paganism. And God saw us and he believed that we would receive him. Hallelujah. And so, and so he said, just speak a word. I'm not worth, just speak a word. You don't have to come here. You don't have to touch anybody. Just speak a word. Speak a word. That's the way Jesus always healed people. You know, he never prayed for the sick. 
When we understand that, you get a lot of more understanding of how we can be healed today. It wasn't like pleading, oh God, please heal these sick people. Lord, you know that you are able. And Lord, you see your servant here. And Lord, if they are healed, they will do great things for you. Like you're going to negotiate with God and bargain with. And if you heal them, they'll go and tell people and it'll make you look good. You'll, you'll be a star if you heal this one. Have you ever heard sermons like that? And, and the more pleading, the more ineffectual. The longer the prayer, the weaker the prayer. The longer the prayer, and the more pleading, and the more nervous, and the more veins sticking out of your neck, the more you, you scream your unbelief. Real faith isn't like that. When your child comes and asks you for something, they don't act like that. They say, Daddy, I want ice cream. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Well, maybe they do. Depending on what age they are. I got to thinking about the, the toddlers, you know. I've got eight grandchildren, so I've seen it all. <laughs> but real faith is not, a, is not a fixed glare. It's a gentle glaze. It, no. <laughs> it's a gentle glance is the word I was using. Glance, glance, not glaze. Not a glazed look, but a glance. Gentle. A beautiful expression of love. Father, I know you love me. Did you know what faith is? Faith is believing in love. Faith is experiencing love. Faith is trusting that God is love. Faith is believing in the goodness, the manifested goodness of God. Faith is believing in God's nature. God is love. His mercy does endure forever. He is good. When we want God to wipe them all out, God will forgive them. It just makes us mad as the devil, but he still will. Amen? We see them as enemies. God wants us to go save them. Muslims, the Muslims were hated. And we were going preaching to the Muslims. Boy, that was a popular thing. Can you imagine around 9-11 how popular we were? Our givings plummeted because we were going to the very people that we were being trained to hate. Right? That we had a right to hate. In the natural, right? But in Jesus, we don't have that right. They are our harvest field. And we have gone, and I preach, and what I've seen is if the Muslims hear the gospel and see a miracle, the Muslims will believe in Jesus. The reason that the Muslims have not received Jesus is because, frankly, we have not gone to them. We have not preached to them. We have not we have not risked our lives to go to them, but we have. And we've been doing it for 40 years, and we'll never stop. We've seen millions turn from Islam to Jesus. We've seen, we've seen millions turn from Buddhism to Jesus. We've seen millions turn from animism to Jesus. We've seen millions turn from idol worship to Jesus, and we're going to keep going as long as we live. Hallelujah. I'll never stop. I'll never stop. It'll, I don't care if it's cool, and I don't care if it's uncool. When healing was cool, I was doing it. When it was uncool, I was still doing it. Amen? And I'll be doing it as long as I live. As long as there's breath in this body, we're going to go to the unreached. Jesus said, he said, this man has faith because he understands his authority. He understood natural authority, but he also understood that Jesus had a different kind of authority. Jesus' authority was an authority that was more than natural. It was supernatural authority. Authority. Brothers and sisters, if you forget everything I've said this morning, remember this. The very realm that we live in as believers is the supernatural. 
Amen? Like a bird flies in the air. That's its element. That's its, that's its realm. Like a fish swims in the sea. Hallelujah. Like a star uh, rotates through the galaxies. That's its element. Our element is the supernatural. We're for the supernatural. God created us for the supernatural. We're not natural. Nothing about us is natural. Everything about us is different than the world. The world, you want to be on top, you want to crush, you want to be the king. In our world, in, in, in our supernatural world, whoever can give the most wins. Whoever can be the most servant wins. Hallelujah. They see the greatest power. If you can humble yourself like a little child, you're the greatest of all. That's how God promotes us. Is that weird? Yes, it is. But that's the way he does it. Hallelujah. We're in the kingdom of God. We're not in the kingdom of this world. Our authority is the same as what Jesus had in his name. In my name, we have his authority. His authority, what was his authority over? Well, in the story, he had authority over that sickness, didn't he? And the distance was no hindrance. He could just speak it, boom, it was done. The only time Jesus ever prayed for the sick was one time. Do you know when it was? Any Bible scholars here? One time. It was at the tomb of Lazarus. He said, Lord, he said, I ask you. He said, I don't, I, he said, I'm not praying for my sake. For, for, I'm, he said, I'm not praying for my sake. I'm praying for them. And then he turned to the tomb and said, Lazarus, I say unto thee, arise. So even that, the prayer was not what healed him. It was the command of faith. Say the command of faith. Say the command of faith in the authority of God based upon his word. In Jesus' name, has the authority to fulfill everything it says. Amen. Jesus' authority was actually authority over all the demonic world. Imagine that. Jesus' authority was more than that, though. It was over all sickness, over all the demonic world, even over nature. Jesus could walk on the water, and he could command it to bear his weight. He had authority. Hallelujah. So when this centurion heard about Jesus and the power, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, casting out devils, he said, this guy's got a different kind of authority. I don't need him to come in here. It's not worth it. I'm not worth it. He said, all he needs to do is speak it and it'll be done. And Jesus did it and it was done. Now he said, in my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When Peter and John were going to the gate temple, that there was a crippled man there. And, and, and John said, look on us. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what did Peter do? He reached down and took the man by the hand and he lifted him up. Still crippled so far. And then when he did that act of faith, what does faith with action produce? Miracles. Miracles. Faith without actions is what? So faith with actions is what? Alive. Alive. And so he lifted him up. And then his feet were just dangling. It was like Big Carrie lifting him up, just lifting him up. <laughs> his little squiggly legs were nothing. And then the power of God shoots yes. through him. And his legs get strong. And he begins walking and leaping and praising God. And thousands receive Jesus. 
Peter said, you don't look at us like by our own power and authority we made this man to walk. Don't look at us as if we made him walk by our great holiness. It was God in the name of Jesus, the one that you crucified, that God raised up in his name, through faith in his name, has given this man this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was preaching the gospel in Ghana, West Africa, and there was a boy there named, uh, well, it was the city, it was Agogo, I don't remember the name. And uh, every day I saw a father bring his son that was deaf mute. And he had a, the father had a big red jacket, so he really stood out in the crowd. Every service I saw him come out there and pray, and then nothing happened. He did that for eight days. And on the eighth day, the power of God came upon that boy, and his ears were opened. When he came up on the platform, it was the most precious thing to see that father and son love. But he wouldn't quit. He came the first day. Maybe he didn't understand what was going on. The second day, maybe he thought I was the healer. Maybe the third day, he started to listen. But by the eighth day, his faith was on the level so he could receive. And boom, he got healed. Hallelujah. When we were preaching in Indonesia this last time, God did so many wonderful things. So many cripples rose and walked. So many blind eyes received their sight. There was a woman that was a miracle. She had been walking and something from her roof had fallen off and hit her, struck her in the head and had given her brain damage. And after that time, she had dementia and she couldn't remember anything. So she sat in this brain cloud, not through demons or anything, but just through a brain injury, you know? And so as we were praying, the power of God came on her and she felt her brain. She felt something working in her head. And, and then when she, when, she, when she opened her eyes, she could remember everything. She said, my thoughts were all gone. My ideas were gone. He said, all, he said, all my names were gone. He said, she said, all of my history was gone. And she said, God has given me everything back. It's one of the greatest miracles I've ever heard. And you know something? Jesus loves you. He wants to reveal himself through you. Primarily, this is a sermon about God still does miracles today. You believe that? That's easy. You all believe that. But I want to tell you, I want to take you a little farther. God still does miracles today because of you. It's not the preacher with the zingbo. Will you say that with me? Say it's not. It's not. The, preacher the preacher with the zingbo. The Karushan. <laughs> Kamehameha. <sighs> We're talking about something that every one of us possesses. We have access to the Father. We are living in a supernatural realm where when we pray, He hears. When we hurt, He cares. When we believe, He responds. When we act our faith, God moves. When you begin to believe, God begins to move. Act your faith. Today, God wants to do a miracle through you because if God is going to use you to do miracles, you need to be healed. Amen? If God is going to use you to bring this gift of love and healing and this message of the gospel that heals the body, that heals the mind, that heals the spirit, that heals marriages, that heals our uh, every, every relationship in our life, that heals our past. Amen? How many of us are ashamed of things we did in the past and, act, and activities and, and things where we were weak, we did that, and, then, and God forgives us? Yes. 
Hallelujah. And he changes us. Did you know, to me, it's a greater miracle for somebody to be somebody who was filled with hate and becomes someone that's filled with love. To me, that's a greater miracle than for God to heal a crippled leg. To me, it's a greater miracle when God takes somebody who is a thief and they become a giver than when God opens up a blind eye. Because we come with signs and wonders, but the sign is for what? The sign points to something else. And that something else is a relationship with, the, with, with our Savior, an intimate relationship with Him. That's what it, our eternity with Him. That's what we're going for. Hallelujah. And the miracles are just, that gives us validity. It gives us legality. It gives us proof. It, it, in, in, the, in, in the court of law, it's the lawyer or we should say the witness, that can produce evidence that should win the case. Amen? So if we're going to present a case, which is the gospel, we have to have evidence that supports our case. And if we do that, then it's very easy to win our case. But if we have a case without evidence, it's very difficult to win that case. So the devil wants to strip the church of miracles. And he wants to make us ineffective so that all we are is another loud religion, another violent religion, another angry religion, another evil religion, right? I don't want to be that. I want to be what Jesus wants us to be. But for that, we have to have miracles because everything about our faith is miraculous. Not the Buddhists. They don't have miracles. Not the Muslims. They pray five times a day, but they do not expect miracles. Ask them. They don't expect ever to have an answer. When we pray, we expect God to hear. That's the difference. That's real. That's intimacy. That's a relationship. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, uh, this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word that's gone forth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that the gospel of redemption is that Jesus became our substitute. He bore all of our sins. He bore all of our curse so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ, and so we could be raised from death into life. I thank you, Lord, that your word is, is, is filled with life. It's a healing word. It's a miracle word. And I want to pray. Everyone here says, Tommy, I'm right with God. I'm saved. I know Jesus. If Jesus were to come back right now, I'm ready. If that's you, put up your hand right now. Raise it up high. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can put it down. I'd like to pray if there's anyone here uh, this morning or, or those who say, Tommy, I heard what you preach and I like what you preach, but I couldn't raise my hand. Maybe you've never received Jesus before. Maybe at one time you did but now you're backslidden. You're not living for him now. I want to pray for you, and I want to tell you, the Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm going to pray for you, for your soul. But if you don't want me to pray for you, I won't do it. But if you say, Tommy, pray for me for salvation, for my soul. If that's you, put up your hand right now. Amen. Oh, that's beautiful. And stand up right where you are. Yes, stand up right, right where you are. Pray, Brother, can you come right down here to the front? Would that be all right? Give him a big hand as he comes. Amen. Let's all stand up. God bless you. Have you received Jesus before?
Yes, I can tell that you're a believer already. Amen. Let's all pray. Say, Heavenly Father, I love you. I receive you. Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your joy. I repent of my sins. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. Risen from the dead. Fill me with your power. With your spirit. With your healing. With your life. I receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, raise up your hands. Say, yes, Lord. Everything you have for me. I receive. You know, we don't have a lot of room here in the front, but I'd like to, for you to ask, for you to tell me, how many of you say, Tommy, I need a healing for my body. It's a physical thing. If that's you, put up your hand. Do you think maybe you could all squeeze right up here? It might be a little tight, but don't worry about a line. Just come in a group. I'm going to pray for you all at once, but it's going to be very powerful right here, right here in the front. Can I have another sip of that? Don't, don't worry about making a line. Just make a, uh, I guess we'll call it a clot. A clot. <laughs> I'm going to move this just for a second. All right. Now, I want you to look at your hands. Like this. And I want you to say, my hands, my hands are the hands of a believer. The Bible says, Believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, I'm a believer. That's for me. In faith, I can lay my hands on people that need healing, and the promise of God is simple. God will heal. I touch. I do a little thing that a person can do. And God does a big thing that only God can do. In faith, I lay my hands where I suffer. Now, I want you to do that right now. Put your hand wherever you're... Now, if it's all over your body, and you it, it, just put it on your heart. You say, Tommy, I, I would have to be an octopus to touch everything that's a problem. You don't have to just put it... God understands. Amen? And, and pray what they say. Heavenly Father... I have a covenant, a contract with you, a redemption contract that includes healing. And in that contract, it says that Jesus, he bore all of my pains and my sins and my disease and my curse. He bore it so I don't have to bear it. The same word that says bore my sin said bore my sickness. He bore my sin so I could be free from sin. He bore my sickness so I could be free from sickness. Devil, you're a liar. And I'm irritated at you. And I'm annoyed that you're trying to touch God's property. Well, you're not going to get away with it. Not with me. And not with my family. 
Because I know who I am. And I know who God is. And I know who Jesus is. And I know who lives inside of me. Jesus died. Shed his blood. To provide. Salvation. Healing. Restoration. Redemption. So in the name of Jesus. I come against disease. This pain. This problem. How dare you. Touch God's property. In the name of Jesus, I break your power. In Jesus' name, go from me. I refuse to allow you to touch God's property. In the name of Jesus, I am free. Now raise up your hands. Say, Father God, oh, let your healing love flow through me like a healing wind burn in me like a healing fire from the top of my head through my body every cell to the soles of my feet let your healing energy heal I receive it I receive my healing by Jesus stripes I am healed thank you Lord that you're touching me that you're working in me. I believe in you. Your power is working in me. Now. Now clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.